<laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Killing History. Uh, my name's Ryan. I'm Caleb. And we are your uh, tour guides through this interesting view of American history. Yeah. Before we get started, I just got to ask you one question, Ryan. Just one. What's the question? Why does history repeat itself? Because we don't learn. Apparently not, because still people won't wear their damn masks. Oh, God. Yeah, right? Right? Like, uh, it's like, it's almost it's like... Spanish we're 1911? Come on! 19, wear 19, your damn 18, mask! 18, 18, 1918, buddy. Well, oh, sorry. Seven <laughs> years off. Either way, we're still yes. fucking retarded. Right, we are dumb, and uh, the same problems keep coming up. Yeah, that is true. Um, in this day and age, it is sad that we have so many people denying science. It's almost like the flat earthers and science deniers belong in the same moronic freaking category. These guys are idiots. Yeah. I, do we I, have I, a history award as well? Yes, we will make a killing history. Uh, we we have the moron of the day on uh, undrafted, so we got to think of a better. Uh... <laughs> Kenny Blankenship's most painful eliminations of the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, just we'll, come, we'll, we'll, we'll come just up. call it John Wilkes Booth Award. Oh, dude, got oh. Or the Odell Beckham Jr. Award, where you get shit on constantly. Hello! <laughs> and I got one in! <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Yeah, well, apparently OBJ can. <laughs> All right, so uh, today's topic, uh, the War of 1812. Um, of course, we're going to do our debut of our new... Um, um, style of podcast with this series uh with the war of 1812 um it's my focus it's been my focus since 2009 um i've been working on a novel and i'm even working on a comic book on the war of 1812 um so of course we're going to start here um caleb has been doing painstaking research to make sure he can um um have an idea of what he's talking about (laughs) if it sounds like i have no idea what i'm talking about you're not wrong. All if right. you think it's interesting, <laughs> good job. <laughs> so we're going to go uh, right to uh, what was America like in the early 1800s? Uh, not much different than we are now. Uh, we thought we were uh, the best in the world because, by golly, we aren't. Um, the do. Uh, we thought we were the world's police force. Uh, Not then. Kind of- I wouldn't say, as a historian, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree there. I, uh, in 1812, oh, we you were... Can, you can OBJ and get shit on on this one. <laughs> Another one. Uh. <laughs> but no, we were, we were an expanding nation. We thought we owned everything on the damn continent. Um, we thought... That. We thought we should have control of Canada, and uh, we shouldn't have control over anything. Right. Oh, did I, I mean, say that out loud? I'm sorry. 
1803, we, we, we did sign uh, Lu- uh, Louisiana over from uh, Napoleon, uh, who didn't want to fight a war on two fronts. In fact, uh, Thomas Jefferson called this bluff by saying if uh, pr- pretty much what went down was uh, Napoleon got it from Spain and within like a secret deal is, is what they, they portray this to be. Because uh, Spain said, if we sell it to you, you cannot sell it to anybody else. And Napoleon's like, yeah, 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 I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then he, and then he, um, Thomas Jefferson, I don't know how he got a hold of this, but he heard about it. And so he contacts Napoleon. He's like, hey, can you sell it to me? And um, he's like, well, and he's like, you know what? We're really thinking about allying with Great Britain. You know, Thomas Jefferson called his bluff. He said, we're going to ally with Great Britain. And as soon as Napoleon heard that, he's like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I, uh, I, wait, hold on. Let me get my inner Napoleon out here. I think uh, I'm going to uh, sell this land to, uh, I can't do a French impression. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to sell this land to you, young Americans. <laughs> And that's exactly what happened, and that was the best uh, real estate deal in world history, according to many historians, where we got it for, like, what was it, like, like a dollar and a half per square mile, something like that. It was insane. It was insane. Yeah, and all of this was done while Napoleon was on his high horse. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, so with that, we're um, and you got to realize, um, after we bought Louisiana, um, we started uh, – Thomas Jefferson enacted the Embargo Acts, which he was hoping would hurt British imports because what Great Britain did was they forced American ships uh, to stop at British ports before going to France, and they taxed the hell out of it. We lost money. So he was like, you know what? We're going to hurt them by not letting our ships go there. In fact, it turned around, hit us right in the mouth. It didn't work, um, and it pissed Great Britain off even more. Um, Another one was uh have you ever turn, heard, heard of the term impressment caleb you know where you go up to your wife shirtless and be like hey baby look at these guns no that's that's impressing uh oh, oh shit isn't that where the brit the, the british navy was taking control of uh u.s boats and forcing them to work for them yeah, they were forcing American sailors onto British ships. Um, they, they, their defense was, these guys were deserters. Uh, we're going to take them and make them back into the British Navy. In fact, over 5,000 American citizens were taken captive and forced into the British Navy. Um, and that really pissed off our president, uh, Thomas Jefferson, at the end of his term. And then uh, James Madison, newly elected James Madison. Um, and James Madison, and this is the thing you got to understand, uh, Caleb, question, was Napoleon short? No, he was average size. Five, six and a half. James Madison was five, two, 120 pounds. 120 pounds. They called him little Jemmy. This guy wrote the freaking Constitution. This guy mentally was like 10 foot tall. This guy was like a beast. Um, And he, at that point, Asked Congress um, when it, after uh, a few incidents like the Chesapeake Le- uh, Leopard Affair and um, so many other things that were happening on the high seas, uh, he finally had enough and went um, went to Congress with heavy pressure, mind you, extreme heavy pressure from the Warhawks, which was a group of pro-war Republicans. Republicans then are not Republicans today. Um, whenever we say these terms in um, in history, political terms, forget about it. Uh, the Republicans then were former um, Federalists. Um, they would, I mean, 
they were more they were still conservative by every mean um but but their thinking was more of the leftist outside the box thinking they were thinking with their dicks mostly um the reason why 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 did we fight the war i gave you uh, a couple things <laughs> what it boiled down to are two words and it wouldn't come up until the mid 1800s but these two words manifest destiny the fact that we believe that we had the right to colonize the whole continent of north america so who's who's our north who's our northern neighbor canada we thought Canada. we thought we should invade Canada. In fact, Thomas Jefferson said it would be a mere matter of marching if we invaded Canada. The war would last a couple months. They would throw down their arms and welcome us. And, and of course, we found out that was not the case. So on June 18th of 1812, um, the United States declared war on Great Britain. Um, and it was a stab in the back. Britain was busy fighting that little French dude. Napoleon. Napoleon. <laughs> I am... I am very frustrated with the Americans, but they uh, they 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 are distracting the British Army there, and uh, so uh, thank you, America, thank you. And I, I heard rumors that um, Napoleon liked to get shit on too. Fun He's... fact about Napoleon. <laughs> ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You know, after he was exiled from France, he came back with a yes. force of a hundred people, and and then. Gained his old force back and held, um, yep. uh, held France for a hundred days before he was finally kicked out again. Right, you got to listen to uh, here. I'm gonna do some cross promotion here for uh, I, I haven't, I've never met the guy, but time suck. You got to listen to the Napoleon episode, it is great, it is great. Um, <laughs> but so the United States declared war on uh, Great Britain on June 18th, 1812. Uh, but with that, folks, um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into uh, the meat and potatoes of the War of 1812. So uh, Napoleon's going to wish you adieu. And we'll see you in a few minutes. Hear me! Oh, hear me! All pay heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15... Wait. Ten, ten commandments for all to obey. All fellow members of the Roman Senate, hear me. Shall we continue to build palace after palace for the rich? Or shall we aspire to a more noble purpose and build decent housing for the poor? How does the Senate vote? Fight the war! Good. In the name of the people of France, strong, strong recording this is napoleon welcome back to killing history with caleb and Ryan. <laughs> oh god thanks napoleon uh we need to talk uh <laughs> okay um so what was the first action of the War of 1812, folks? It happened on July 17th of 1812. In the middle of the night, uh, British soldiers, uh, roughly anywhere from five to 700 men under the command of Cap uh, Captain Charles Roberts of the British uh, Army, um, took a few boats and landed on the northern side of Mackinac Island. Uh, when Lieutenant Porter Hanks in command of Fort Mackinac with 57 men under his command uh, looked up on that hill, he looked up. 
And he saw those 700 men, and it is honestly, this is a quote. I found this quote. Believe it or not, Caleb, uh, this is a quote I found from Lieutenant Porter Hanks. It said, holy crap, where is Odell Beckham Jr. when I need him? I need a shit really bad. Um, so that's exactly the words that came out of Lieutenant Porter Hanks' mouth when he saw that British Army standing on top of that hill. Holy OBJ. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's not true. Um, no. Uh, hey, it's on he, the internet now. It is true. <laughs> he he was alarmed, um, but from most accounts, he knew that something was kind of weird for the last few months. Anyways, all the natives left the island and went north. Oh, who's north? The British. So they he, he kind of knew. But with fifty seven men, what the hell are you gonna do, right? So of course he's like, ah, I surrender. I'm uh, done. I'm done. I'm done. And he goes back to Detroit. To take a OBJ and take the Browns <laughs> to the Super Bowl. So. After the battle, uh, they're uh, paroled uh, to Detroit, the, the American soldiers are. And when they get there, guess who meets them there? The British, under the command of uh, 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 General Sir, uh, Sir Isaac Brock and Tecumseh. Um, inside Fort uh, Detroit is uh, William Hull with what was supposed to be the invading uh, first invading army of Canada. Instead, they were hauled up in Detroit uh, because um, William Hull got hungry, apparently. Uh, according to most uh, accounts, he had eaten and drinking a bit much since his days in the revolution. Um, he didn't even want the command, but he accepted it because Madison needed him. Um, with that being said, the, he had a force of about, let me look up the numbers here just to make sure. I don't want to give you any false information here, but uh, during the battle of Detroit, it was anywhere between one man <laughs> and 500. Well, the funniest Probably north of 500 <laughs> um, inside for inside Detroit, uh, there were 2,500 men, including about another five to uh, 500 to a thousand militia. And outside uh, the fort, the British had uh, 1,300 men, and that included the natives. Uh, the Americans outnumbered them two or three to one um, for most accounts. Yet what uh, Sir Isaac Brock did was uh, he goes up and he says, uh, yo, uh, Tecumseh. I have some extra redcoats here. Put your guys in it. March around in circles. Make it look like there's a lot of dudes, I guess. And that's what he did. And it worked. Uh, William Hull was terrified of uh, the Native Americans. In fact, uh, Isaac Brock played on those. And um, Isaac Brock uh, forced uh, William Hull to surrender within hours. Um, only two men got killed. Welcome back to Lieutenant Porter Hanks, folks. Uh, we're going to go inside the jail cell where Porter Hanks is uh, waiting uh, for trial uh, for his... Uh, treacherous act of treason after being outnumbered 10 to 1. Lieutenant Porter Hanks, what do you have to say about yourself? Um, well, you know... I want ham. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't... I, I, I just don't think I could... I did what I could, and uh, I hear the cannons outside, so you might want to take a break. Uh, folks, uh, we're going to interrupt this uh, interview with the fact that uh, Porter Hanks was split in two by a cannonball. Yes, folks, uh, Porter Hanks died in the Battle of Detroit, split in two by a British cannonball, along with another officer from Fort Mackinac. Um, both Those are the only two casualties uh, during the uh, surrender of Detroit. <laughs> and it was the only uh, time in American history that uh, uh, a whole American city uh, surrendered to a foreign army without a fight. <laughs> Way to go, America. Um, during the first months of the war, the Americans saw zero 
zero success on the battlefield. Uh, during the Battle of Queenston Heights, right after this, about a month afterwards, or two months afterwards, I should say, month and a half, whatever, um, oh, Sir Isaac Brock and Tecumseh once again met um, uh, met the um, the Americans at the Battle of uh, Queenston Heights. And there, after all the regulars got across on these 13 boats across the Niagara River, they actually pushed the British lines back. The British were losing the battle until the natives who had just arrived on the scene flanked them. Um, I mean, that's what they were known for. They came out of the woods and just flanked the hell out of you and um, pushed the Americans back. But the Americans had about 1,500 militia under the command of... Um, uh, um, then Colonel, but future General Winfield Scott. And uh, <laughs> this is the best part. Um, it, it, we're going to go down to our battlefield reporter. Um, Caleb, you're there uh, on um, the Niagara River there. And uh, you're, um, can you uh, ask General Winfield Scott uh, a few leading questions for me um, just to see what's going on down there in Queenston? <clears throat> Yes, Ryan, it is very loud out here. The river is wet. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, can you, uh, can you act, uh, just, um, just get a hold of uh, Winfield Scott for me. Uh, see what's going on down there. Um, I know he has a bunch of militia guys down there, but I hear a lot of hooting and hollering. Hey, uh, uh, Winfield Scott. Yes, this is, uh, this is Caleb, uh. WBB news. Um, just want to ask you, uh, what's what's going on down here? There's you guys seem to be having a lot of fun. Well, uh, as I'm looking, I, I see the Americans getting pushed back, but our militia are going to go there, and we're just going to push them forward and just completely take the field. We're going to overwhelm them with numbers. That's our plan. Uh, so here, look look at my militia, hey, Caleb. Do you know where my militia went? What happened? Caleb. I thought you were going to push them forward. Caleb. Oh, there's one right now. Let me go for it. Hey, soldier. Yoo-hoo. Soldier. Dude, the Constitution says no militia can invade a foreign, a foreign nation. We're going home. Uh, Caleb, back to you. So as I was saying, the water is wet. <laughs> Caleb, did I hear uh, General Scott, I mean, Colonel Scott, right, that uh, the militia just up and left? Yes, you did hear that correctly. Oh, looks like their asses got kicked. <laughs> yeah, folks, um, the Battle of Queenston Heights. Um, really changed a lot of things in American uh, military history. The good thing was Brock died. Um, I mean, bad for the Canadians, um, good for the Americans. Um, but it it would lead to further things to where we needed to get away from the militia system. And um, so that's that. Uh, that. That's why the Battle of Queenston Heights is so important. So. <laughs> oh, geez. It's great. This is great. But yeah. Um, whew. I can't follow up on that one. That one was pretty good. My my throat's a little scratchy now after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you have any questions so far, Caleb? 
When do we get to the part to where the Americans lost the war? We're getting there. <laughs> we're we're still in the first few months. Um, but we're gonna um fast forward a little bit. Like I said, the Americans, um, no, the land forces, um, had little to no success. Um, in fact, the first success we had was um. The USS Constitution. Now, mind you, the the uh, British Navy was known as the Mistress of the Seas. Um, they were the best navy in the world for hundreds of years and hundreds of years afterwards. In fact, they're still considered the best navy for naval force in the world. Um, number two, um, no, Odell Beckham Jr. You go back to your go go back go away. <laughs> <laughs> number two, uh, um, there. We had like five to seven ships of the line in the U.S. Navy. We relied on privateers. There was no way we were going to win a naval ba- naval war with uh, Great Britain. Yeah, here we are. Um, hold on. <laughs> That's my thinking brain there. I got to just pull this up here because my brain's just not wanting to work. That was a thinking brain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like somebody's sucking on something. Dude, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. So, you know. Poopy flavored lollipop. Hello! Odell, go back to your room. <laughs> <laughs> so, in late 1812, after the Battle of um, Queenston Heights, you had the USS Constitution. And you had the um, HMS Guerrier. Isn't that a type of cheese? I don't know. It sounds delicious, though. But with that, the US Const- USS Constitution beat the Guerrier and, in fact, uh, took three more ships afterwards. Um, it be- got the nickname Old Ironsides because they actually reinforced um, the hull with, um, like, um, uh, a harder wood. I can't think of the specific kind right now. Um, I wish I would have written it out. But um, the cannonballs bounced off the hull, and uh, there you had American sailors saying, Huzzah! Her hull is made of iron! And they got the nickname Old Ironsides. <laughs> There's a the Constitution for you. In fact, the USS Constitution is still an active duty ship in the United States Navy. And to top that off, out of all the ships in the United States Navy, that is the only active ship in the United States Navy that has sunk an enemy vessel. So, Boom. That's pretty impressive. That was in 1812, for cripe's sake. Just because it's an active warship doesn't mean it's seen war since 1812. I don't care. It's still the only act of worship that has sunk of enemy vessel. <laughs> I heard I heard uh, a U-boat got sunk because somebody took an OBJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, uh, we're going to go to uh, January of 1813. It's cold. It's that really was a good year. Cold. It was a good year. Not for the Americans, though. The Americans uh, fought a multi-day battle uh, in a place where we call today Monroe, Michigan, but back then called Frenchtown. The Battle of Frenchtown would be one of the bloodiest battles in the War of 1812. And what happened, um, 
pretty much uh, William Henry Harrison had decided to split his army into two, uh, one under the command of Harrison and the other one under the command of James Winchester. Um, during... And I have up names because Winchester are <laughs> ghost hunters. Yeah, oh, I know. But James Winchester, their great, great, great grandfather. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's oh. true or not, but I'm going with it. Uh, but from January 18th to 23rd of 1813, um, the, uh, army, uh, the force of about 1000 men under James Winchester met the force of Henry Proctor, of uh, a force of about 14, 1500 men. And, uh, he tried to just beat them head on. In fact, he pushed the British back and they thought they held, had held their position and he thought they won the battle and he went to bed, uh, the, what was it? The first evening. So the evening of the 18th and 19th. Well, the next couple days, here comes Henry Proctor with the rest of his army and just beats the shit out of Winchester. <laughs> In fact, the battle was so bad. The battle was so bad. James Winchester said, God damn it. Why is OBJ still in Detroit? Why is OBJ not <laughs> sitting under me? <laughs> Um, in fact, he was um, taken. He was taken prisoner in his like I guess you'd call him like street clothes. I I don't know. He was trying to get away, is what we find out. So, kind of interesting, um, but entertaining as well. J- James uh, James Winchester has gone down as the worst American general in, in our history. He was awful. He was awful. Just plain awful. In fact, he left all the wounded men there uh, as they as uh, the American army was taken and paroled out and whatnot and so forth. And the British left the American wounded and even some British wounded soldiers um, there. And what happened was um, uh, late in the 22nd, um, a bunch of Native Americans uh, came and... Um, "Quote unquote massacred uh, the American wounded and prisoners that were left in Frenchtown. This would become a great rallying cry um, during the War of 1812, called "Remember the Raisin," because it was along the River Raisin in Monroe, Michigan. If you guys have never been there, it's a really neat battlefield site. It is a national historic site. It was dedicated by President Barack Obama back in I want to say it was 2012. So, if you ever been there, go there." William Henry Harrison would go on to become um, future president. Um, only lasted like a month. He died pretty quick. So there's that. <laughs> uh, what are some things you know about the War of 1812, Caleb? That we lost because um, uh, I don't care what you say. It wasn't a draw. When you lose your capital city, you fucking lost. So we lost the revolution then. Yeah. We lost both New York City and Philadelphia. But they didn't I mean, burn down our, our, our capital. Our, our, they occupied it. Then, dude, we... Our White House was burnt to the ground. Yes, 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 I know. Donald Trump, what the hell? Go, it came go. from China. <laughs> Those British came from China. <laughs> but yeah, um, along with uh, the Battle of the River Raisin, Lindsay. Queenston, and all that, um, you had uh, the Battle of Lundy's Lane, which was a, a horrid battle, uh, probably the worst one in the war, where you had your own soldiers firing upon your own soldiers. Um, you had flanking maneuvers in the middle of the smoke, hey, in the middle of the dude. night. This battle went into the night, and it was USA. bad. 
<laughs> I'm trying to summarize here, Caleb. It was the greatest battle of Trump, the- shut up! It was the greatest battle, believe me. Okay, it was the greatest battle of the War of 1812. <laughs> you are fake news to say otherwise. <laughs> During this war, you also had... Um... You had battles spouting up all over the place. These weren't huge armies, folks. They were armies of about anywhere from one to three, four thousand people. Um, the only, only, only one that had uh, the largest force of the war. Oh God! Hold Indigenous on. people. <laughs> oh God! We're gonna get. We're gonna get sued. Contact my lawyer at 1-800-BOATS-AND-HOES. All right. You ready? Fake news. (laughs) Fake news. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to go into, uh, for these last few minutes here, we're going to go into um, the last big part of the war, which is the surrender of Washington. Um, Pretty much what happened, the Battle of Bladensburg got to be known as the Bladensburg Races. Um, the the British Army forced the American militia off the field. Uh, Colonel Henry, uh, William, um, <laughs> Colonel Winder, um, forced his men to retreat and left the capital there uh, to the British to the taking. The British sacked the capital, um, burnt the White House, burnt down every government building other than ready for it the Patent Office, and they were planning on staying there quite a while until. Until a hurricane, we believe, hit Washington and forced the British to retreat. Um, now, on Lake Champlain, on the uh, September 11th of 1814, uh, the Americans took control of Lake Champlain after what Teddy Roosevelt termed the greatest naval battle of the war. General Alexander Macomb led a successful land defense as well. Um, Prevost, who had an army of upwards of 15,000 men, had to turn back because his Navy couldn't support the land forces. Thank you to General Admiral um, Alexander uh, Macomb, who pretty much what he ordered, um, Thomas McDonough, the Americans under... Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Sorry, my stomach was just acting up. But Thomas McDonough, he pretty much put his um, ships in fixed positions. Um, so when one side got heavily destroyed, the other side was fresh, and he beat the shit out of the British Navy. Once again, in this war, because uh, of September 11th, I mean, September 10th of, of uh, 1813, you had uh, Oliver Hazard Perry defeating the British fleet on Lake Erie, which is the only time in British history that a whole fleet had surrendered to uh, for another nation. And that is um, a huge victory, because like I said, we never thought we could beat them on the water. But beat them we did, and quite consistently, on the water. Um, But after the burning of Washington, D.C., here we have Admiral Cockburn. Cute (laughs) laugh. Yeah, I was waiting for it. He and his army freeze from the Napoleonic Wars because, hey, Napoleon, you got your ass kicked again. Again. Yeah, because he was (laughs) short-sighted. So what ended up happening was this army had had their eyes fixed on 
Baltimore. Baltimore, um, a huge port city, uh, the, one of the largest port cities on the eastern seaboard. Uh, also, lots of pirates, lots of privateers came out of the port of Baltimore, and the British just had enough. The Fort uh, Fort McHenry, um, staffed by... McHenry? Two, no. Well, that's dumb. And once again, this is one of those dates in American history, September 11th, that comes up in almost every war. Um, hold on one second. Are you driving? Uh, I'm sitting in the gas station parking lot. Oh, okay. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, yep, Alexander Cochran. I said Cockburn. Cochran. I apologize. My fault. Uh, bombarded Fort McHenry for 25 hours. The American defenders had 18, 24, and 32-pound cannons, uh, but uh, the British guns had ranges of two to three miles. British rockets, about two miles, but neither guns nor rockets uh, were very accurate in 1814. Um, the British ships were uh, pretty much unable to pass by Fort McHenry, so they tried to command and beat the crap out of it. Under the command of George, Major George Armistead, the American armies just waited. In fact, Armistead, his um, grandson, or was it his nephew? One or the other um, would actually um, be one of the leaders of Pickett's Charge for the Confederacy uh, 50 some odd years later. Of course, we all know the story. George Armistead only lost four men, including one black soldier, Private William Williams. What a name. Um, no racism there. Just William Williams. Um, and at one point during the bombardment, a bomb came crashing through the fort's powder magazine, but it did not explode. Explode, um, the rain extinguished the fuse and the bomb was a dud. Uh, during this bombardment, Francis Scott Key aboard a British ship, he was a civilian prisoner of war. Rocket Red Flare! The attack and started writing down a few verses. After the battle, after he saw this ginormous flag flying over the ramparts of Fort McHenry, he put it to the tune to Anacreon in heaven which would later be named the Star-Spangled Banner, and in 1931 would become our national anthem. That's all I got to say about that. We're doing this really quick. Um, we'll have more detailed episodes. We're just trying to get this out there. Uh, that's the purpose of this. Um, so after that, um, we saw a little bit of a lull in a lot of action. In fact, our peace talkers over there in... Uh, France. Geneva. <laughs> In France, my apologies. Um, my, I, we just got done doing our hockey podcast. Um, hey, so, before you go on, I am watching a freedom bird fly right now. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Wingspan is huge. Nice. America. The Treaty of Ghent, which was signed in. Belgium, not France. Belgium. Come on, Ryan. You knew that. Yes, I knew that. I just didn't you know if you guys knew that. Anyways, Belgium. I was closer than you were. You were. I, I, I knew. I knew the whole time. <laughs> Jesus, Caleb. Anyways. The peace treaty was signed on December 24th of 1814. However, the fighting was not done. My ancestor, or rumored to be my family ancestor, Andrew the frickin' Jackson, the man who has a bullet lodged by his heart because he got pissed off. He got pissed off, got in a duel, and his strategy was because the guy was a better shot to take the first shot and then, you know, 
take a shit on Odell Beckham Jr. and then take his shot. Nice and relaxed like. And that he did. Yes, this man was old hickory because he was stubborn and he was an asshole. He was he had a temper. But man, is that the guy you want to lead your army? You bet your freaking sweet butt it is. Yes, Andrew Jackson in command of uh, the American forces in the Battle of New Orleans in 1814. We took a little trip along with New- Colonel Jack- General Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. R- right? No. Was that on the little th- love boat? <laughs> it was an old song from like the 50s. Um. Anyways, uh, you had um, you had Major General Andrew Jackson in command of about 5,700 men. Were they all pissed off hornets like he was? No, a lot of them were. Um, I mean, he had uh, upwards of, he had so many different, um, he had some people of Latino descent. He had slaves. He had Irish. Um, he had so many, uh, Creole. I mean, he had so many different people. He had to have like 12 interpreters when he gave his orders. That's insane. Uh, um, and they weren't trained. This army was not trained. Uh, he set up a series of entrenchments around the city and he narrowed it down to this one little narrow that came straight into the city that he, the British, the only way the British could come into the city was there. And that's where he picked his ground. Ground and topography is key if you want to become a general in the 19th century. Um, anyways, so then you had uh, the, uh, the British under the command of uh, Major General Sir Edward Packenham, who single handedly defeated, um, helped defeat Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. Anyway, Anyway, he went on to create the game (laughs) Pac-Man. He had an army of 8,000 men, approximately. Um, But with that, the main date of the battle was January 8th of 1815, and the uh, British Army led a full frontal assault on the American lines. And Andrew Jackson just looked at him and said, Ah! They're coming. He ordered his cannons. His cannons did a doozy on the British. In fact, the battle only lasted approximately, it depends on who you listen to, but the battle probably approximately lasted an hour to two hours. It wasn't very long. In fact, um, it was the most lopsided battle in American history. Over 2,000 British soldiers were died, um, wounded, or captured during this battle. Do you know how many casualties the American ha- Americans had, Caleb? None. 62. 62. 62 compared to 2,000. Andrew Jackson just curb stomped some British MFers. No, he didn't. His men did. After the Battle of New Orleans, um, word got to Washington of the Battle of New Orleans before word of peace got back to great uh, got back to Washington. So, in fact, everybody thought that General Jackson's victory at the Battle of New Orleans brought us peace, which is why Americans believe that we won the War of eighteen twelve. No, we did not. Ah. <laughs> uh. It was a status quo antebellum, uh, which means that all lands that were that you had before the war, 
you're going to have after the war. Nothing changed. No land changed hands or anything. Um, there was no winner in the War of 1812. Yes, the British really kicked our asses all over the field. However, we just, when we counterpunched, we counterpunched hard. Um, and we held our ground in some instances, not many, but we did hold our ground. In fact, the, the um, United States Army started then talking about keeping a standing army for situations just like this. But who lost the war? Definitely the Native Americans. All Everything the Natives were promised, nothing happened. In fact, they were pushed even further west with the acquisition of Louisiana Territory in 1803. Um, sad day. Uh, th- th- this would be the last um, war that um, Natives would help decide the outcome of. Lies. <laughs> Don't believe me? World War II. Different. I'm I'm. Sp- Speaking of between um, how do I want to word this? Where uh, Navajo almost, literally saved the United States in World War II. Okay, but what I'm trying to say is these there were thousands upon hundreds upon hundreds of tribes that fought on the US on the British and US's behalf. It, it wouldn't be like that in World War II. It, it wouldn't be. It, it completely different. Um, but I understand where you're coming from, and it is duly noted. Who else? Who else was feeling the pain after uh, the War of 1812 ended? The Napoleon. French. Napoleon, who was uh, sent off to uh, St. Helena. They do not have the good croissants in St. Helena. There's nobody freaking there because the first time they exile him, you know, oh, you're going to have 500 guards. We'll give you millions every year. That's fine. Millions of dollars. That's fine. <laughs> like, come on. At least they did it right the second time around. Um, so this was a really short, augmented, weird presentation of the War of 1812. We're trying. This will be our first episode of Killing History. Um, the next one, I think, uh, we're either going to discuss either the Civil War or um, something from the Civil War, uh, not the whole thing. That would be like a 40, 50-hour episode, um, or um, something about World War One or World War Two. Um, we'll put it up on our Facebook and go from there. Caleb, do you have any last-minute thoughts? You have fake news. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, my name's Ryan. Um Enjoy, uh, pick up a good history book, learn. I'm sorry, you might you probably didn't learn too much from this one, but I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> and, oh, get your pet spayed and or neutered. <laughs> going to carry that on over on this side, too. Sure, pick no, probably not. Book. This will probably be the only time I say it. I've got to find a good sign-off for this one. Learn from history learn from past mistakes so we're not doomed to repeat it and i and i hope the fucking god winfield scott finds those militiamen somewhere all right guys you have a great weekend um enjoy winter's coming folks okay winterfell all right bye all right peace